3 p.m. It's time now for Cover to Cover, Open Book with Amelia Gonzalez. Please stay with us. a quinceañera. A quinceañera celebrates a girl's passage into womanhood with an elaborate ritualized fiesta on her 15th birthday. A quinceañera is a marker birthday when a girl could start attending adult parties. She's allowed to pluck her eyebrows, use makeup, shave her legs, wear jewelry, and heels. In essence, she is ready for marriage. A quinceañera is also a booming million-dollar industry. Websites are being born as we speak with theme ideas, gallery of dresses, and chat rooms. Cruise lines and hotels are marketing quinceañera packages, and families are going into debt for the opportunity to afford daughters their proper quinceañeras. And all the while, staggering statistics of teen pregnancy and high school dropout rates are affecting our Latina youth. This is what my guest today discovered as she embarked on chronicling the phenomenon of the quinceañera. Julia Alvarez is with us today in Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Julia Alvarez has written many books, among them her children's books, How Tia Lola Came to Stay, Before We Were Free, Finding Miracles, and The Legend of Altagracia. Her books of poemas include The Other Side, El Otro Lado, Homecoming, and The Woman I Kept to Myself. Her novels have reached international fame, notably How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents, Yo, In the Name of Salome, Saving the World, and In the Time of the Butterflies, which later was produced as a film. She, along with her life partner, has also started a sustainable farm literacy center called Alta Gracia. She's here to talk about her latest book, Once Upon a Quinceañera, just published by Viking Press. Bienvenida to Open Book, Julia Alvarez. Thank you for having me, Amelia. In the introduction of the book, Once Upon a Quinceañera, you start by defining what quinceañera means, which you already had a general sense of, and I think most of us do. But what in this exploration about this tradición surprised you? I think what most surprised me when I... I, I was asked to write this book. It was a commissioned book. Uh, the publisher called me up. They were doing a series of books on social phenomenon and matching writers with the topic. And they had decided on, um, on, on the Latino community. They had decided on the topic and they decided I would be a great match. So they called me up and I, and they said that they wanted me to, uh, uh, do the Latino phenomenon. And I thought, wow, what? Immigration, you know, any of the big issues? They said the quinceañera. And I said, you're kidding. <laughs> the quinceañera? I said, I'm not a girly girl type girl, and I never had one. I think you've got the wrong writer. And so they said, well, can we send you this documentary? This documentary had been done by a public uh, TV station in Boston about a single mom who threw her daughter a quinceañera. And I watched it, and I was hooked. I thought, oh, my gosh. Uh, I can't even describe the mixture of feelings that I had watching it. I felt... Um, I felt uh, that a lot of the issues that we're facing as a Latino community, uh, as we become the new demographic, the new Americans, the boom population, and people are now wanting our votes and wanting to sell us things because we're a big buying muscle now, mm -hmm. how our traditions are getting endangered by that and becoming consumer moments. So there was that issue. There was this beautiful issue about the young girl coming of age 
and the mother-daughter relationship and the mother passing on her history. Her, you know, the mother in the documentary was uh, the first generation, so she had the connection to the home culture that that young girl would never have of living mm-hmm. in a country of origin. And she brought those traditions with her, and, you know, she was giving them to the girl. You know, it's a, it's not just that you're just doing it for the quinceañera, but this is where you uh, sort of consciously uh, set about uh, really preparing that young girl for her role as an adult in the community. So there was that going on. Um, there was just uh, the wonderful, tender uh, moment of this young, vulnerable, beautiful, and I say, you know, I never, I don't think there's an ugly baby out there. Babies are beautiful by being babies, and I don't think there's an ugly quinceañera out there. They're just so beautiful. So We're so proud of our young women. They have such challenges ahead, but they have such talent, and they have, you know, they can be, such leaders in our community, and this is a moment, you know, this cusp where the, uh, it's being decided uh, which way they will go. And this uh, tradition, if practiced in a way that's consciente and um, and connected and uh, and not about the consumerism, can be such a wonderful, wonderful send-off. Not just a send-off, it's, it's the beginning of a journey with our young girls through their lives. Um, and, you know, it begins then, but with that ceremony, you're marking a life cycle moment that's important and reminding that girl that you are there with them for the rest of their journey. Mm-hmm. We know that the tradition of the quinceañera has its roots in Mexico and has spread to other Latin American countries and is growing, and yet not to the heights of extravaganzas that are taking place stateside. Why do you think that is? Well, it's it's such a curious question. I mean, part of the reason I, I wanted to write this book is because because I wanted I wanted to meditate and question and find out answers to these questions. And I think part of what happened is that, um, you know, as you note, all of our tribal cultures, there are coming-of-age ceremonies for our young, the young people coming of age. It's something that, you know, um, very our tribal cultures very much wanted uh, to mark ritualistically important life cycle moments, and coming of age is definitely one of the big ones. So the Aztecs had ceremonies. Our indigenous people have ceremonies. There's the Canal de Still in the Navajo um, tradition. Uh, across the globe, there have been tribally. Uh, this is an important moment that has been marked universally. But as the quinceañera has evolved, it really has become a kind of more European, Europeanized tradition as now being traditionally, quote-unquote, traditionally uh, practiced in the United States. The girl has a court that's very royal, you know, mm-hmm. a court of 14 couples. The girl is crowned with a tiara. She dances a waltz with her papi. Um, she has a big ball gown, as in Queen Victoria's time. So the accoutrements that it's uh, gathered around itself have become more and more, um, you know, are more and more of a Europeanized courtly tradition. But um, the, the, the issue is that there, we have this wonderful uh, coming-of-age ritual for our young girls, and we can create, we can be playful with the content of the tradition. We don't want to lose the tradition because we have something that, you know, is really um, takes care of our people. Our traditions are meant to take care of us, but we mm-hmm. need to constantly 
review them and reinvent them so that they're meaningful and take care of us in a new context. I think the reason it's become so popular in the United States, one of the things is that as we are a diaspora people, as we get away from our roots, um, as we scatter, um, the, the things, the only way we can take our roots with us are our portable traditions. And so they become even more important when we're separated from our communities and our home countries and our, and our, you know, our roots. It's how we keep those roots going into mm-hmm. the future and into the next, um, into the next generation. So traditions become even more important when we come, ironically, when we come to the United States, a place that is, uh, that the mainstream complains is so rootless that people, uh, kids don't have a sense of identity of their history, that they're growing up on the, on the internet and in malls. It's, there's almost hunger for it. And one of the interesting terms that I heard used by, um, some of the people involved in, in studying the tradition is what they call ret- culturation hmm. the young people are actually wanting to um, learn Spanish uh, of their you know grandparents they want to learn the dances the recipes they want the traditions because they feel like they want to claim their identity to have a stronger sense of who they are and that is strong with um, the young woman Monica that you follow throughout the Keynes in terms of her and quite a few of the girls talking about their culture this is their culture this is what ends up symbolizing what their culture is can you talk a little bit about that how however shallow it might be at moments there is that hunger for it there is that hunger for it and like you as you mentioned you know whatever however shallow it becomes but this is why in part i wrote the book because i think it's our i think it's our responsibility mm-hmm. as the elders of the community, as the parents, as the educators, as the madrinas, as the aunts, uh, to protect the tradition so that it's not a, just a shallow moment. Uh, one of the epigraphs of the book, or the epigraph of the book, is uh, by Plato. Mm-hmm. Education is teaching our children to desire the right things. So part of the quinceañera is to profundizar um, the the ritual and the not make it just a one night party, but make it a process and a meaningful uh, ceremony that the young girl really, you know, is connecting with her tradition and her culture and her family and her community. And it's a wonderful opportunity for for moms and dads and families to, um, as they're preparing, as they're thinking about the celebration, as they're creating what they think is meaningful. Uh, you know, there, there now are these quote-unquote traditional little aspects of the tradition um, that people now think they must have. But the quinceañera, you know, traditions are elastic. They, they mm-hmm. grow, they evolve, and you can, you can make them meaningful for yourself. But now traditionally, the quinceañera has the change of shoes from flats to heels. You don't have to have a, a court of 14 couples. Maybe you just want the significant people of your life there to stand by you as a sort of symbolic gesture that they're going to be with you for the rest of your journey. Um, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be crowned with a, with, with a tiara. In other words, you can play with these traditions. These are the accoutrements that have now been, um, attached to the tradition and the market is even making them more elaborate right so true. that um you know uh this is what we have to be careful of because the market tri- takes our traditions and sells them back to us with a high price tag and tells us this is what it means to be authentically latina how do they know right 
Right. Well, as a matter of fact, you went to a, nest, uh, a quinceañera expo. Was that in San Antonio? That was in San Antonio, right. right? You met people that were trying to use the opportunity to empower young people, such as Priscila Mora, doing the expos to educate Latina, Sister Angela, using the tradition as a teachable moment, and Ana Maria, who founded the Stay in School Quinceañera program. Can you talk about their work? Well... Well, you know, even though it's now being, you know, there's a now Quince Girl National Magazine about the quinceañera, and uh, now Disneyland has a package where you can have your quinceañera at Disney. <laughs> and, you know, the consumer culture is just growing with this. Um, there still are, in many, many communities, it's still very much a, I, I want to say a mom and pop kind of business, you know, where you have people like Priscilla, who is, uh, you know, who cares about the, who really connects with the young girl and their families and gives them seguimiento, uh, follow through after the quinceañera is uh, eager to know that they're still in school, that they're taking care. I mean, it's a community. Uh -huh. She is acting as a as a provider of services, but it's not services just in the monetary level. We have Estercita in Miami, right, who is yeah. this wonderful, um, you know, we have them always in our familias back home, that Tia that knows how to do everything and knows what goes with what and, you know, what cake and what, uh, you know, what color goes with your complexion, everything. She knows everything. And Estercita, actually, when there was a Marielle boat lift in Miami and these young girls came and they had been, you know, they were um, unable to have quinceañeras. They were so poor. She got a group of 15 of them together, and she gave them a group quinceañera with donated dresses. Uh, there are wonderful quinceañera programs out there now. There's one in Idaho, the state school quinceañera program, Ana Maria Chactal. Uh, she takes the young girls for six months. She teaches them traditional art. She has the viejita come in and teach them how to make the traditional wax Corona with wax flowers, but she also has the Latina Congresswoman come in. She has uh, college counselors. She teaches them the dances. In other words, the girl really is learning how to be an adult that really takes her culture and her roots, but can also use it, can also be prepared to be successful in this culture. So it's not an either or. And, and Sister Angela Erevia, who is now in Nebraska, but was from San Antonio, and she actually gives retreats for the young girls before their quinceañeras. So you do have these figures in different communities that are really trying to protect our traditions so that they really are taking care of our young girls. And they are taking care of our young girls. In other words, for them, it's not just to make money. Right. Um, you know, the, the one thing that made my skin crawl that I would hear when I would go on websites about quinceañeras is uh, our new target population. Mm. Target mm -hmm. is what you do when you have a gun, right. you know, when yeah. you're when you're aiming at somebody, not to do them any uh, any good. So when I heard, you know, about these target populations and how we're trying to um, market to them this great new industry, the quinceañera, one of the dress companies that I talked to, they said, you know, our best clients that we're really trying to hook are the Latina population because we can have them, you know, for a long period of time. We can get them with their baptismal dress. I mean, they didn't use these terms, but, you know, we have but them for their clear. baptism, and then we can have them for their first communion, mm -hmm. and then we can have them for their quinceañera, and then they'll want a bridesmaid dress for an older cousin that's getting married, and then we can have them for brides. So we can really, you know, it's, it's maximize. really... Maximize. Maximize. Right. So we as a community have to be careful mm -hmm. that we take care to keep our traditions 
to be about taking care of our young girls, not creating, um, you know, um, consumer uh, moments for right. them, which right. are not going to help them at all, you know. That's the voice of renowned author Julia Alvarez, and we're talking about her latest book, Once Upon a Quinceañera, on open book. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. I wanted to ask you about the staggering statistics that you have included in your book that are affecting Latinas today, where it might seem that quinceañeras are a distraction, a fantasy. Can you talk about those statistics that are very disturbing? The highest suicide attempt rate in the country is among Latina girls, um, highest teenage pregnancy rate, second highest dropout rate from high school, one out of every four Latina girls drops out of high school, second only to Latino boys, one out of every three. So we've got, you know, the statistics are are, are dire. Uh, there was even a series in uh, uh, Diario La Prensa, a Spanish language newspaper in New York, called Latinas in Crisis, about the state of our young Latina girls, an op-ed piece in the New York Times, uh, Latinas, a cry for help, um, a year ago. And so, you know, we have these dire statistics on the one hand. Uh, our girls are ending up at the bottom of the heap. And yet we've got this booming celebration which in many cases is this fantasy that these girls are going to be princesses they're going to have a kingdom they're going to have a court and they're actually you know these two this is another thing that really <laughs> made me want to write this book what is going on what right. is this discordant uh mm -hmm. situation and how can we use the quinceanera to do something about this problem not to create more of a problem, not to create this kind of bubble that makes girls really not think about how to avoid the pitfalls that lie ahead, but instead really prepares them to not be one of those statistics. And ironically, what the studies found is that in families that keep their traditions, in families where there's a strong center, in families and in communities where there's a strong community around the girl, and the quinceañera represents that families, communities, the best of them represent the family and the community around the girl. Those are the girls that are not the statistics. Those are the girls that are succeeding. So, in other words, this is... This is a, there's a great potential in a very popular and powerful tradition, the quinceañera, to really use it to put a new story in girls' heads. Mm -hmm. One of the saddest, saddest interviews that I did, um, actually the girl is a success story. She went to the stay at school quinceañera program, uh, and she, she's now in college, uh, and she credits the stay at school quinceañera program with doing this for her. I interviewed her in Idaho, Graciela, and I said, Graciela, so, you know, why do you feel that this, this program helped you? She said, well, you know, my parents were migrant workers. I don't even think they finished grammar school. They never went to college. I was the oldest girl. I was supposed to stay home and help with the family. You know, I was, I was your typical Hispanic girl. And I said, well, what's that? She said, well, you, we don't do white girl things like go to college. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, that's a story that, that needs to be revised in her head. Right, we do right. do stuff like that. And mm -hmm. when she went to the stay at school quinceanera program and a Latina congresswoman came, a Mexican-American congresswoman, and here was someone with her own background and she was now a congresswoman. It was a model. And this, these are models that at this moment, at this cusp of beginning an adulthood 
adulthood responsibilities, adulthood choices, for her to have that model presented to her was so important. For her to have a college counselor come in and talk about how she was college material. Me? The typical Hispanic girl, college material. Hey, honey, see, you can go to college. And what a wonderful way to use a tradition, you know, that originally took care of girls within another culture, getting them set up and prepared um, and displayed for marriage. But that's no longer how we can prepare our girls for the lives now. And to use that tradition to prepare them for what they're up against now. And I don't mean just career, because people are always talking about, you know, what about college? What about her career? Prepare her spiritually. Mm-hmm. Prepare her morally. Prepare her in terms of her identity. You know, to teach her things that are so important, not just, you know, not just uh, for Latina girls, but for all women. You know, um, we talked about your daughters, Quinceañera, mm-hmm. if I can bring it up. You know, sure. how wonderful when when uh, the padres got up and gave their consejos, they gave their advice to the young girl. When the men, uh, men members of the family got up and talked to her about how to protect herself and, and what kind of respect she should ask of the men in her community. I mean, these are powerful things. These are These are moments that are preparing you spiritually. Deeply, mystically for your life, not just uh, in terms of a career. Mm-hmm. You raise this um, and was sharing about my daughter's quince, my quince, which, you know, it's funny because so much of the mother comes out. And I thought that was really important to me in terms of what I felt I would have liked growing up and what was missing. Yeah. And I think that that's a perfect opportunity for for moms to look beyond the vestido and really think of what it is Mm -hmm. you know i remember feeling like i had to grow up so for me it was really important for my daughter's childhood friends to remind her not to let go of the or have the last doll but to be reminded to always let her youthful spirit come out exactly. however and be playful with it and so they they were given little girl toys to always remember that part of them their youthful part and of course the ancianos and the elders talking to her about remembering her history which is you know a lot of times we compare ourselves horizontally you know in terms of what are our peers doing but we don't look back of how far has my generation before me and generations before that have come along and i think that it was it was really an interesting Gene said that I didn't know the power of it until now. They're young women. It's been years since they've had their quinceañeras, and they look back on that as, okay, that was a time that I was, my, my tia was there, and she's not with us any longer, and the palabras that she gave me and the regalitos that she gave me because she made medicine bags for them to always have with them. So, and I think that that's what's really empowering is to to have it be what it can be right. to so and, many. And, you know, part of writing the book is... Um, on a as a on a writer's level of what you're talking about because I thought you know I'm now one of the becoming one of the viejitas of our of our mm. community I have gone through many of the struggles I have been you know a latina woman uh coming coming of age uh, uh coming of age in this country and in a in a population that is coming of age in this country uh-huh. it's 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 becoming the boom population it's the it's really a powerful demographic so I feel like what do, what did I learn along the way 
right. that I can pass on mm-hmm. as I talk about this tradition. What were some of the issues for me? What were some of the difficulties? What were some of the bumps? What were some of the dangers? What were some of the deepest joys? What can I say and pass on to other Latinas and other moms mm-hmm. and other daughters uh, in this, you know, in this culture. So for me, it was it was a way of of doing almost a quinceañera through writing the book. Mm-hmm. And I feel that it's it is important. That's such a wonderful uh, point you made. That that not to think just horizontally. Mm-hmm. There's a wonderful Native American story about a woman who all the time is trying to touch the stars, and she keeps trying to touch the stars. And one day she finally touched as the stars and father sky looks down and said how did you get to be so tall and she says i'm standing on a lot of shoulders right and for our young girls to know they're standing on a lot of shoulders their mothers their abuelitas you know it's it's a history and there are a bead in the mm-hmm. necklace of the generations. And so, you know, adulthood is when you start thinking in, in those ways, you know. And it's not just, you know, the girl that goes from girl to being a woman. It is a journey. And adulthood is about realizing that you don't any any longer just belong to yourself and what you want and your own needs and what you have to have, me, me, me. Adulthood is about belonging to all the people who love you as well and are invested in you. Mm-hmm. And so the ceremony is a great way to sort of enact that ritually uh, so that the girl, it's, it's marking that, it's acknowledging it. And those are important um, spiritual, mystical, ritualistic moments that we hunger for as, as, human, as human beings. Mm-hmm. And finally, I wanted to ask you about the women that you mention in your book, that have broken the stereotypes and have really guided us through refusing to stay stuck between opposing forces such as Gloria Anzaldúa, Sandra Cisneros, Lorna Di Cervantes, Sherry Moraga. And you use Gloria Anzaldúa's quote, the future will belong to the mestiza. You sound hopeful that this right could be used to remind our young women of their strength to guide them into womanhood. Well, uh, Gloria Anzaldúa, of course, is... is um is the woman that put put vocabulary and words and concepts to this whole process um, that we as uh, mixed uh, people of mixtures uh, feel, a uh, people of dual cultures, uh, people in the borderland, and she talks about that not as a uh, not as looking at that at that place as a place of victimhood, but as a, as a place of promise that we are the bridge people, we are the people that can create a new template for how we can be combinations, how we have to, um, you know, honor all parts of ourselves, which therefore means that we honor others um, that are out there and our mixtures themselves, that there isn't an either or, that there isn't an us and them, that we're all part of a human family. But because we, as, um, you know, people of mixture, borderland people, experience that inside ourselves uh we are uh you know we are people that that are combinations of uh uh of you know uh european traditions indigenous t- traditions african mm-hmm. traditions people of diaspora we have become this amalgamum and and therefore we are we can model how to do that as a synthesis that is successful and uh and and a template for American uh, community uh, and, and, you know, for the global community. So I love Gloria Anzaldúa's words that she published uh, now, what, uh, almost 
gosh, almost mm-hmm. 25 years ago or more, uh, they were prophetic. Uh, she says, en unas pocas centurias, the future will belong to the mestiza. Because the future depends on the breaking down of paradigms. It depends on the straddling of two or more cultures. By creating a new mythos, that is a change in the way we perceive reality, the way we see ourselves, the ways we behave, La Mestiza creates a new consciousness. I think that's quite a promise for for um, our young Latina girls and for women everywhere and for human beings everywhere. I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Julia Alvarez. Gracias for having me. Julia Alvarez is the author of several books of poetry, books for children, a book of essays, and books of fiction, including How the Garcia Girls Lost Their Accents, In the Name of Salome, and In the Time of the Butterflies, which later was produced as a film. She was in town this week to talk about her latest book, Once Upon a Quinceañera, published by Viking Press. You've been listening to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. If you have any questions or comments about what you hear on Open Book, feel free to contact me, Amelia, at kpfa.org. Or call our comment line at 510-848-6767, extension 622. With Bonnie Bone at the controls, I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. about the funk and why this music is so hard what is funk where does it come from why does everybody want to rap on it sample it dance to it make love to it eat biscuits with it take on a system with it who are these people you want to know about the history of funk? Tune in Fridays at 10 with Ricky Vincent and the crew on KPFA. How much of all your happiness can I really claim? I'm here to the music.